0: Hello and welcome to the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening, thank you for subscribing, thank you for leaving reviews on iTunes, they are always very gratefully received. And of course, thank you for following us on Twitter. I'm Jay Beardmore, this podcast is at the Rugby Dungeon, and of course there is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the biggest rugby podcast in the world, bar none. Go and find that at Rugby Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Spawple. Sportpool are basically the LinkedIn for sport, and as we know, there's only one real sport anyway, that's rugby, that's what they do best. So if you're a player, you want to showcase your talents, or you want to move clubs, or you're moving abroad, or you're doing something requiring a new club, or you're a new club requiring some new talent, go on to sportpool.com, see what they've got going on there. Great guys, helped us out in the past loads, both on Rugby Dungeon and on Egg Chasers. Good product, good people, check out sportpool.com. There's also the Thistle Rugby Podcast. You've heard me speak about these guys before. I can honestly say I have never been interested in Scottish rugby. Not once, not ever. I know more about Japanese rugby than I know about Scottish rugby. Until the Thistle Rugby Podcast. Go and check them out. And, well, you will enjoy it because, like you, they love their rugby. And also, if you're like me and you're a little bit ignorant, you will actually learn something. I learn something every week from these guys Really, really good, good podcast. Go find them on 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 Twitter. Go and download them. Well worth a listen. Today's guest is Chris Pennell. Chris has captained Worcester. He's been at Worcester his entire life, and I tell you a lot more, but he'll probably do it now. So sit back, enjoy the interview, and uh, yeah, here he is, Mister Chris Pennell.
1: How are you, Chris? I'm very well, thank you. How are you?
0: Yeah, good, thanks. No one warned me that podcasting would be this glamorous. I've been uh, waiting for you to put your little one to bed, and in front of me, I've got my baby monitor as well.
1: <laughs> I know. It's, it's tough, isn't it? it? It is tough.
0: It's pretty rock and roll.
1: <laughs> Honestly, like, I, I tell some of the lads... When when they're moaning about training being tough and stuff, and I say, look, you know, you don't realise that actually my work starts when I get home. That's when it really gets tough.
0: Oh, exactly. I've been spending so much more time in the office lately.
1: Like <laughs> well, credit, but credit to credit to the stay-at-home mums and dads out there because it is um, it is brutal. I spend like one day with the little ones and I am absolutely shattered. So well, uh, it's yeah. more
0: that thing when you wake up at nine. You've been doing it, and sorry, not wake up. You've been up for for a bit. You go down at nine, and then you realize that you've got to spend the whole day doing nothing. And it's usually like a weekday, so there's nothing on TV. It's not like you can stop and watch the sport. There's lo- nothing to do. It's just you, and uh, you're gonna have a, a conversation with a one-year-old for the rest of the day. It's brutal.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is true. And even and even if like, even if my missus is around, she's so 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 sleep deprived. It's pretty much a similar level of conversation as well. To be fair, <laughs> exactly. But, uh,
0: so, what have you been doing today? Uh, I'm assuming you're still going through your rehab?
1: I am, yes. I am, yeah. I've got a, I've got a heel injury at the minute that I picked up. Um, picked up a few weeks back, actually, back in November. Um, but just tried to struggle through. It's a, it's a bit of a cricketer's injury. I've kind of had it described to me. Like if you imagine the, a fast bowler planting their foot, yeah. the heel, heel bone gets stuck in the floor and the rest of the foot slides forward. So, I've, I've basically just torn... Torn some of the soft tissue off off my heel bone, so Ooh. it's um it's pretty sore. But it, it's it's one of those annoying things where it just takes time. That you know, there's nothing nothing you can do in particular. You just have to wait. So um, I'm still able to still able to, to do sort of some forms of training. So I've I've had a watt bike session today. Okay, which, um, which was horrendous. It, took took a little part of my soul with it, which was <laughs> fun, and then um, then some lower body weights and a bit of rehab stuff in the pool, which which was all, all good.
0: Yeah, it seems like what bikes now are the new fad for pretty much ev- for pretty much every other sportsman other than cyclists.
1: Yeah, well, I think they were originally invented for cyclists, I but think they are, um, yeah, but it's it, it's one of the, it's one of the best ways of, of being able to. Um, Uh, replicate running basically um and and because it is because it is tough Mm. um yeah you you get you get really good transfer over to running obviously obviously there's sort of no substitute for running but if you're in a position such as I'm in where I'm not able to run it's the the kind of second best thing
0: so what type of stuff of the conditioning stuff
1: got you doing on that oh um it varies really when when i first started going on it, it it was it was just a 20 minute flat out time trial to see how see how far i could go um for the first few few weeks and then now i'm doing more sort of speed endurance uh based stuff so much shorter shorter reps so um 6 seconds on 54 seconds off and but just going oh, wow. for going for max power every, every every rep and then so that's sort of for speed and then the speed endurance element is five seconds on 15 seconds off times three and then 30 seconds in between and then do that again and again and again and then other other things as well but it it sort of it doesn't sound too hard it's one of those things that you look at it on paper and you think yeah that's that that'll be fine but honestly i i fell off the bike today i was in in an awful state so um it's good though it's sort of nothing else gets you quite like a watt bike can.
0: Yeah, I'm going to, try, going, to, going to try and avoid them. We were issued with um, some treadmill drills, like 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. And it's a yeah, nightmare.
1: It is. It is, absolutely. And, and it's, always, it's always those sort of shorter, I guess, shorter, more intense efforts that and they, they really creep up on you. Exactly as you say, you're sort of three or four in, you think, yeah, this will be, this will be sweet. But wow, they, yeah, it comes back to get you quite strongly. So you're managing to keep in quite a good physical shape then? I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Which, like, being injured over sort of New Year and Christmas is is <laughs> some, it's quite difficult. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm doing my best, shall we say? Um, but yeah, the the conditioning staff have got me on got me on a really um, on a really good program at the minute, which which I'm enjoying. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm sort of feel feel quite rejuvenated in in my training again, which is which is great.
0: Okay, well, moving on. One of those bits of trivia you hear all the time is that you're actually a diabetic. How does that affect you with your training?
1: Uh, uh-huh. How does that
0: affect things like training?
1: Well, it's it's one of those things that it, it has it has basically become second nature to me now. Yeah. But what what it's meant is from the age of 19 when I was diagnosed, it, it just gave me an extra, an extra thing, an extra element that I needed to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I needed to make sure that my nutrition was spot on so that during sessions, my blood glucose would remain in a good place. Yeah. And, and if, because of exercise, it started to drop down, I needed to have additional things on the sideline, you know, glucose drinks or, or, um, jelly babies is like the traditional thing, but I've, I've kind of gone away from those now just cause I'm trying to be good. Um, but yeah i've i've got to, i've got to have some form of glucose some form of carbohydrate on the sideline ready to top me up in case i do drop low um so a- actually it's it's kind of made me a better professional if anything because i'm i'm so much i'm so much more aware as to what i'm doing throughout the day it, it could because i have because i have to know i have to know what my blood glucose is glucose is doing yeah. it's made me so much more aware of exercise it's made me so much more aware of of nutrition which all kind of lend themselves to being a good professional and also that also the discipline element as well yeah i've got no choice i've got no choice but to be disciplined so it's kind of it's helped with everything else i'd say
0: yeah that, that's actually quite interesting so when you say watch your diet do you do you actually just end up having a very clean very healthy diet then
1: to be a good diabetic you you do yeah exactly that you just need really good well-balanced plates of food and and sort of smart choices when it comes to carbohydrates and you kind of hear all about low gi choices and and it's it's so true you know I, I look at i look at my blood glucose trends throughout the day if i if i have an off day or you know every now and again i, I do need to have a, a bit of a treat and relax a bit so um you know if i'm not having say like a a, a quinoa with with my um with my evening meal and i end up having chips for yeah. example yeah. Like you can actually see the the trend on 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 like my blood glucose curve, how how different it is. Is that right? Is because that right? yeah, it's it's mad, honestly. Just just how how um, how your body processes that, those different forms of carbohydrates is completely different. And mm-hmm. as I say, to be to be a good diabetic is just about sort of smart, healthy choices.
0: So what do you make of all the nutritional supplements that you can get in the change room then? Because I remember when I was playing, and then someone would pull out like a can of. Um mutant rage or you know (laughs) hemo warrior or something
1: yeah i think i think any anything any supplement containing the words mutant (laughs) or rage should be well avoided by any professional rugby player we're um we're we're actually really lucky we're really well looked after at the warriors with um with our nutritionists like every single supplement is batch tested and screened to the nth degree so there's no you know there's no risk of contamination we we actually we actually don't you don't buy your own supplements if you from a website or from a shop no it, it's it's all there taken care of because the risks of the risks of cross-contamination is is actually huge you, you don't really realize like there's some some stats if, if you were to go into a shop and buy by a supplement say I think it's something like one in four will contain something that isn't is that right? listed on the ingredients list so it's just not worth it and you know there's there's so many unregulated companies out there that it is all about just the you know the blokes who, who are working long hours who just want results quickly so they can whack anything they want in these supplements and, and crack on because ultimately they're not going to get drugs tested they just want to look good so mm. um, you have to be very careful you do
0: yeah, because I think they've gone to the extent of they've got to label every batch now. So if you're gonna take a batch, you best take down the serial numbers too. So if anything does happen, you can trace it back back to the batch number.
1: Exactly that. It's, exactly that. It's yeah, it's absolutely the, crazy and, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well it's just a lot of admin, isn't it? So so we're actually that's where we're lucky because it's all it's all taken care of for us. So if any if anyone does show up with anything in their system that shouldn't be there one one the club the club aren't going to be liable because they've they've kind of covered their backs but also if there is something you know there's a genuine mistake and it shows up in in the batch then then you can you know there's there's mitigating circumstances but it's just such a such a hot topic in sport it's just you know it's obviously it's obviously one of those things where the risk is certainly not worth it
0: if you do want to take something different. Anyway, I know. Uh, I know a lot of the lads do get quite into the um, health and health and nutrition side. Do you just speak to the nutritionist and say, "I'd quite like to try cognitive supplements or muscle building supplements," and then they will go and source it for you?
1: Yeah, I- I- exactly that. Um, and, and there are there are companies out there where. They will supply batch-tested things, and also there's the there's in, um, the informed sport label. If you see an informed sport label on a supplement, it, you know it's it's been tested. It's it's sort of good good to go. Um, but yeah, a- absolutely, that they're more than happy to kind of contribute. If if there is something in particular that you want to try, they will either source it for you, or there will be an alternative version that your sponsor can provide, if, if that makes sense.
0: Well, we've just spent the first 10 minutes or so talking about the off-field facilities at Worcester, but we've not really got into the training side. I had Jim O'Toole on here not so long ago, and he was telling me exactly how much effort has gone in from board level, making sure the facilities are right at Worcester. So can you just describe them and tell me what they're like as a player?
1: Yeah, we, we are. We're very, very lucky. Um, sort of everything is is taken care of really we've got we've got all all that we could need um there was a huge amount of money spent when when would it have been now yeah about 18 months ago on um renovating what what existed the indoor center and training center that existed that was that was completely renovated and walls knocked out and offices put in and changing rooms added and and all sorts and a, a real sort of fit for purpose build um which which is fantastic so we're, we're extremely lucky facilities wise um yeah. and you know again as there has been for, for a while all the sort of all the little details are are now there to to help us to be more successful on the pitch and, and ultimately now down to us as players to kind of roll our sleeves up and crack on and and uh and get the results
0: yeah he was telling me and i'm sure going to look stupid now but you've got ice baths but without water
1: <laughs> yeah so yeah in in essence yeah there's there's a, there's a cryotherapy chamber um ah. so it's uh you, you've probably seen it the, the, I know the it's, it was very popular or it's probably still is very popular in Wales yeah, yeah it was the National squad would would disappear off to Poland and and do their stuff over there there was uh they certainly certainly use cryo chambers so it's it's basically if you imagine a sauna yeah um, but it's certainly not warm it's uh yeah it's it's drops down to minus 145 degrees centigrade and how often are you, are you using that you can kind of use it um use it once or twice a day if you want um but for no, no longer than sort of two three minutes at a time mm-hmm. uh we we probably use it maybe th- uh two to three times a week um depending on training load and depending on sort of you know if it, if if you if you really feel like you need it it's one of those things same, same as ice baths where for some guys they'll feel brilliant having done it and loads of loads of guys re- report having slept really well the night after yeah which ultimately obviously if you're sleeping well you're you're recovering mm-hmm. um your body's repairing and you're recovering uh but and then there's other guys who it does nothing for and they don't feel any better so it's one of those things that if it works for you then why wouldn't you do it, kind of thing? Which you know? cu- which camp are you in? For me, I I can't say I've noticed any benefit in the sleep because probably that's ch- more child related than <laughs> anything else. But um, I, I'm I'm not too fussed by it to be honest. I, I, I don't I don't really feel any any different having used it. I I personally would rather spend ten minutes on a bike and then have a massage and, and do a bit of yoga. Than yeah. than than standing minus 145 degrees centigrade.
0: Tell, tell me, listen, you must have been a pro now for what at least ten years, yeah? Uh,
1: yeah, this is my eleventh year. Yeah.
0: So you must have come across loads of like training gear and equipment that are purely just fads.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's been a few actually. They, they, quite often, companies try and like reinvent a kicking tee, and, and they come like, up with all kinds of weird shape shaped kicking tees, which ultimately you just stick the ball on and it points in the same direction anyway but um, I'm trying to think now like
0: well the obvious one I guess is stick mitts they've had their day and sort of disappeared
1: yeah yeah well yeah they have they have really haven't they there's no there's no current players wearing them
0: see I always thought they, they, they had the wrong thing with stick mitts because of course stick mitts cover the palms of your hands and you don't really catch a ball with the palms of your hands you catch it with your fingertips
1: you should you should do, yeah. So, I think most, most guys catch with their chest as well, so there's no point <laughs> yeah. having it on your well,
0: hand. Well, I do think that uh, Canterbury solved that by making it sticky on the front row's chest.
1: <laughs> well, there you go, yeah, exactly. Sort of Northern Hemisphere rugby for you. You've got to make sure the chest doesn't slip, because yeah. otherwise otherwise, you're knocking the ball on every every pass.
0: Well, I always thought instead of stick mitts, it should be like stick thimbles, stick a sticky thimbles
1: yeah so just goes just goes on just covers the fingertips exactly well there's loads of of guys will use sticky spray to do that so they'll so they'll spray like a glue spray on on the end of their fingers to to just give them a bit more dexterity i guess and and just that feel on the ball but um no I, i i just sort of use use what i've got to be honest and and uh, <laughs> and that's me. I'm trying to think of, of other things that they've been. Well, th- it was very big a few years ago
0: like speed ladders. They seem to have gone out of fashion, but they're still definitely used.
1: Oh, certainly certainly in, in strength and conditioning you get you get fads, don't you? You get Yeah. Uh, things that come in hurt, like yeah, the, the sort of the mini hurdles and things like that were, were huge and, and the the SAQ ladders. No no one really does SAQ anymore. That was a big thing.
0: No, they don't, do they?
1: It's now plyometrics and, and other sorts. So yeah, I'm sure England were trying to teach peripheral vision,
0: so they would get oh, the lads.
1: Say I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I can remember. I remember some of the lads talking about that.
0: Yeah, and in terms of marginal gains, I'm not sure. I, mean, I think they were trying to flash up signs in Twickenham when they were when they were playing, and then get them read the signs and then get them and then get them play, playing again or, or something along those lines.
1: Yeah, well, there, there are, there's all there's all kinds of things. I, I've got a vague memory. Of, of like England under 19s, and, and there was a lady, there was a, a lady who was getting Danny Cipriani to like relax his pupils to sort of open them out and expand his peripheral vision. And no. I remember thinking, this is crazy. But like that, yeah, there, there are, there's all kinds of little things that kind of creep in and then disappear off. And I don't know, maybe they jump around the sports, but, um, yeah there's there are there are certain, certainly things that become fashionable Relax. it was it Relax. was mass running a few years ago that, that was like the the thing it, it actually it tends to, tends to come from New Zealand doesn't it really what's you mass running I've never even heard of it. it it's It's horrendous it's horrible it's just like it's, it's basically a form of fitness but um just very sort of high intensity um, so you do mass aerobic and mass anaerobic. There's two sort of different types types of running that you do, okay. and it's all to do. It's all to do with basically meters per second that you cover, and the conditioners vary. It, but it's it's just it's no fun at all. I'll tell you now, it's no fun. The the, ki, the Kiwis have huge influence on on where we go with, with fads and things. Is I, my experience.
0: I'd like to know how you relax someone's pupils. I think I think that's an incredible idea.
1: Well, as a diabetic, I have to get my eyes screened every year, and they put these drops in that make them dilate to ridiculous it looks like i've been doing all sorts of things i shouldn't (laughs) um yeah but but that's sort of chemically assisted i wouldn't know how to do it yeah it just it just in sort of in a normal room as it were just relax to expand that vision but yeah you know you never know i guess as as a fly half you have to have good peripheral vision so
0: i guess that does sort of make sense providing it works just moving on a bit into Worcester, then, uh, mm-hmm. been a tough year this year because obviously Dean Ryan left at the start of the season. So we'll get into that a little later. But one no. of the things I, I, you know, I give him a huge amount of credit for is the academy structure at Worcester. Who are the lads at the moment who are coming through the system that are really impressing him?
1: Well, well, yeah. I mean, firstly, I'd I'd, I'd like to completely agree with that. Like the the re- the rejuvenation of our academy system it has been incredible and we are starting to see that that working now with and, and the likes of um jamie shilcock coming through um josh adams uh hugh taylor okay. uh, sam smith um andrew Kitchener there's jack singleton that we've we've got we've got loads to be honest loads of really talented talented young players coming through. Um and that is that is credit to, to Dean seeing that you know that that is that is a part of Worcester that was neglected for a few years and it only takes a couple of years of, of taking your eye off the ball for, for things yeah. to change um drastically. So um yeah, there's 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 huge talent coming through and and what's what's really good this year, one of the one of the huge positives this year is that the youngsters that have come through and been exposed at first team level and who've delivered you know, they they've all agreed, they've all re signed, they're all committing to the club, which in years gone by, it just wouldn't have happened. You know, you go back to Matt Mullen, Miles Benjamin, Tom Wood, Richard okay. Blaze, you know, the, the people who sort of I came through with around that time, who mm. you know, I I guess I, it's it's not that they not that they weren't prepared to commit to the club, but I guess there wasn't there wasn't the same vision as there is now. So, um it's 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 a hugely positive thing.
0: I think academy structures now have to be the future, and I think the one everyone looks at if they kept their youth would be London Irish. You had Jonathan Joseph, the Armitage brothers. Um, just trying to think, uh, Anthony Watson, JJ. You had uh, Corbett Sierra is another one. Just absolutely loads, and I think that developing the youth and keeping them now is going to be so important, particularly in a salary cap type environment.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and it is it is so it's so tough, but you look at you look at the likes of Harlequins who. Have built, you know, they built their team around the academy. They they went through that rebuild process where they got relegated and 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 just brought guys up from within, gave them the opportunity, and you and they ultimately won the Premiership with huge, you know, huge numbers of their academy products playing yeah. in in in, the, in that team. And and even now, you know, that's that's been the core of the core of that side hasn't changed, and they're all homegrown, and they all they all love Harlequins. You know, you, you, you're going to play. You're going to play harder. You're going to be prepared to push that little bit harder for your home team, and and that's that's massive going forward.
0: So, just reading between the lines a little bit about what you said there, when you were coming through um, into the Worcester first team, what was the academy like then?
1: Well, it it was it was actually very very good. The academy the academy system was very very good, and we had um, we had great coaches. We had a guy Gary Meekin and Andrew Stanley that ran the academy. We had uh, a couple of young guys, uh, Stuart Pickering, who, who's who was S and C, um, and and it was it was a really good setup. We, and we had loads and loads of talent. The the problem at Worcester back then is that opportunity was was minimal in the first team. We had uh, we had we had a very high average age of first team players, mm. and to break through into that squad was very very rare. Was that like and the
0: that's... was that like the Shane Drom era?
1: Yeah, prob- probably, probably slight, slightly, slightly after. before even. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah, prob- so I'm, I'm sort of thinking like, uh, like John Brains last year in charge of Worcester, um, mm-hmm. leading into uh, leading into Mike Ruddock. Like those those sort of times there it was it was pretty tough. There weren't many youngsters that that broke through, or well, the opportunity just wasn't there. Quite yep. the same. It, it would have to come through through injury as opposed to through rotation and through opportunity, which which is, again, is one of the things that Dean wanted to change. So um, we had to show our, our youngsters coming through that there was there was going to be a chance, there was a light at the end of the tunnel, and it was going to come sooner rather than later, which, which is so important.
0: So although relegation is never what you would have chosen, actually it might have given you perfect time to press reset on the profile of the squad and bring some of these kids through.
1: Yeah, I mean... It, in in hindsight, I, th- I think it was at the time it was heartbreaking, and, and it was the last the last thing I wanted to do. Yeah, but course. for for the for the overall sort of health of the club, it, it was a good thing, and it and it gave us an opportunity exactly that to to shift the, shift some of the old wood and 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 bring in some new young talent guys that were that were sort of trapped at other clubs that weren't necessarily getting the opportunity that I'm referring to. Mm um they were they were promised that opportunity with Worcester and, and a year a year of championship rugby is is tough going it's a tough league and when you're when you've got that favorite tag on on your on your back um teams you know it's a cup final for the opposition every week so yeah. uh it it's tough it, it's a real baptism of fire and and we we certainly came out of that um in in a really in a really strong place and for the, yeah for for the future of the club i think it was a really important stepping stone.
0: So tell me this, because obviously you were a big deal for all the smaller clubs, but I would have thought you'd be the real cup final for Bristol because you and them were the favourites throughout the season to go up. Has that uh, rivalry transferred over to the Premiership?
1: I'm not I think I think I think you can't help but make the the association when, when you play against them, but there's been so many changes and and, and actually, you know, we we hadn't we hadn't played against Bristol for a good number of years until that season. Yeah um so there, so there wasn't really a sort of historical rivalry there but mm. i guess circumstances of of the final the way, the way oh. the final went the way we got promoted uh, you know without a doubt um will will sort of sit that 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 sort of negative emotion will sit will sit with people and and likewise the the jubilation that we felt will sit with us for for the rest the rest of our lives but um yeah i'm 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 pretty sure they would Certainly, use it as a motivational factor when it comes to um, when it comes to, p- to playing us at our place in in, the, in a couple of months.
0: Yeah, well, that's certainly the first thing that I would say if I was doing the team talk. Tell me, is that your favourite game that you've ever played in? It's got to be, surely.
1: Uh, do, you, do you know what? I, th- I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. Um, s- certainly, I mean, I mean, f- from from a personal career perspective, I, I can't. You know, you, my my England cap will always be the, the the biggest sort of occasion, but in terms of the emotions involved in that game, and the, yeah, the feeling after the final whistle, there is nothing that I don't. And I even think winning the Premiership won't compare to that. It's it was no. the most the most bizarre game with so much riding on it. You know, the, you, you're actually talking about people's livelihoods and people's jobs when it comes to getting promoted. Whereas if you're winning the Premiership, it's it's a great, it's a great thing, and an amazing achievement, and and you know, great financial reward. But ultimately, everyone's still going to turn up when pre-season starts. Whereas, you know, when it comes to championship rugby, you are you're literally dealing with people's livelihoods, and we, that that emotional relief will will be yeah. I don't think I'll I don't think we'll ever match that.
0: Wow, I've never actually thought of it like that. Was that aspect of it, the livelihood aspect of it, made clear to you in the week leading up to the game?
1: Um, we we were. We were re- we were very well um, masked from from the sort of emotions around it. We were the, the, that that sort of leading up to those finals. Dean was very very good at getting us just to focus on our jobs and yes. getting and getting that right. And and that sort of showed in that last ten minutes. We we pretty much went into autopilot, and we knew exactly what we needed to do because we'd gone through it so many times in training. Mm-hmm. So so that any emotion was 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 kind of taken out which which is great that's that's how teams function best isn't it that's how individuals yeah. function best when when you're just on autopilot and you just and you're just doing um so yeah although all it it really sort of dawned afterwards that the sort of scale of of what it was and what it meant and um yeah what it what it meant for so many people it was yeah, it was great did was really you
0: good. how many points did you overcome was it three tries in 10 minutes or something ridiculous
1: um, yeah, we were, we were 13, 13, points down with seven minutes to go. Incredible. Mm, yeah. And then it was 14 points down on the night, but 13 points down on aggregate. And then, yeah, we scored, scored two, two converted tries to, uh, to win, win overall by a point yeah. to draw on the night and win by a point. Yeah.
0: And how long did it take for the enormity to actually set in? Sometimes you win a big game. It's like, I, I should feel happier than this, but I'm not actually that happy.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um it was probably it was probably the day after when we had uh when we had a social yeah. uh, in the changing room at the club and we we'd obviously all, all been out for a few beers the night before but then turning up that morning everyone in fancy dress and just the the atmosphere and every, you know everyone had a smile on their face <laughs> and it was just like yeah it was that was an awesome awesome day so I think that was the day for me where it really sunk in. Had a couple of like emotional, drunken, emotional moments with some of the lads, you know, when when you've been drinking all day, and it comes to that sort of six, seven o'clock at night, and you're a bit, you're a bit too drunk and a bit too tired, <laughs> but you get a bit emotional. It was, yeah, it was good. It was, it was it was good fun. Excellent.
0: Now, uh am I right in thinking you were captain throughout the whole champion championship stint? Uh,
1: the year before, I was actually. Uh, sorry, not the year before. The, the last time we were in the championship, yeah, I was I was club captain. Was club captain when I was a bit younger. Um, between what was it twenty twenty three to twenty five? I think I was club captain.
0: Okay. Uh, now, how are club captains decided? Because I would always assume that you know, if you've got your club captain, uh, I look at Harlequins, for instance. They seem to change their, their club captain pretty much every year.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't really know is the honest answer. I think it. I think it sort of just comes down to um, the director of rugby's. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com
0: slash host.
1: The director of rugby has the final say <clears throat> at the end of the day. And I, and I don't know, I'd imagine, I'd imagine people, people sort of do it differently. I, I, know, I know there was a time at Worcester where we, um, where we basically voted in our, our sort of leadership group, as it were, our mm. senior team. Of, of I think it was five people at the time, and then from from that group the um the d o r would select the club captain oh, I see uh, that's pretty smart but it i I'm assuming it's sort of it's different everywhere um,
0: do you boys operate a club captain and then a match day captain
1: yeah, I mean generally if the club captain is fit and playing then he then he will be captain on the day mm-hmm. um, but certainly at the minute with, with ourselves obviously um GJ Van Veltz is our club captain, but he's he's out at the minute with concussion. So mm. um, there'll be there'll be a different captain on the day. Uh, but they'll they'll generally obviously be a, a senior player and someone within our leadership group.
0: Okay. So when when you become club captain, then do you, what additional responsibilities do you take
1: on? Um, it's i guess it's just a lot of a lot of time really you you know you're you're involved in a lot more meetings you're involved in a lot more decision making Mm -hmm. um and and you are you are in essence the the voice between coaches and coaches and players so it's you kind of need to you need to have your ear to the ground in in both respects you need to be able to feedback what's going on in, in the camp how the group are feeling you need to have um but you you also need to be in a position where you can you know you can really drive the standards and and the the messages that the coaches want to get across. It's it's a, it's a I, I think it's a tough it's a tough position. You need you need to be you need to have sort of very very high emotional skill and emotional intelligence. Um, and it's yeah it's, it's it's a tough thing. It takes a lot out of you. It's a real you know. If you commit to it full time it is it is a huge emotional commitment
0: so i mean are you getting involved in terms of you know the direction you want the team team to play in terms of strategy even things like selection or is it a lot is it a lot less than that is it more media commitments
1: there certainly there certainly are media commitments um but no it, it is you know it, 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 as players it's your club and, and as a club captain without a doubt you 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 have a say in, into how how the club operates and, and how you train, how you play, but it is it's a it's a buy and it's a collective thing. So it, it's you know it's a decision between the senior players and between the management. Ultimately, management have have the final say, and if and if they have a really strong opinion on how things will be done, they'll draw the line and say this is this is what we're doing. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think it's so important to empower players to have That's you know to have some form of input. Because it, it ultimately it's you out on the pitch. You need to you need to 100% believe in it. You need to be able to buy into it, and also and also if you own it that little bit more, you know it 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 does work better.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because when you're saying all this about the player ownership and stuff, this is the thing I've heard a lot recently. Uh, you know, only at my low level, but it seems to be gaining more traction and becoming more popular. I take it you're a massive fan of that approach, and rather than the more structured, old fashioned coaching approaches.
1: Yeah, I, I, do you know what I think? It, it depends on the group. Depends on on the group that you've got. Um, there are certainly times I can think of in years gone by when you just need direction from the top, and you just need to be kind of told what to do and where to go, and, and you you are in essence pawns on a chessboard. But mm. um, when you've got when you've got rugby intellect around you, and you've got smart people on the pitch, you've got smart people in your squad. You you'd be foolish not to use them and not yeah. to utilise that um and that's and it's again that's a tough balance as well you know it's a tough balance between between where you stand as a DOR as a head coach and being able to hold your ground and but at the same time taking in all that information and and knowing that if you if you sort of go against someone who who has who has a very high rugby intellect it's um it it can be quite tricky you know <laughs> yeah. it can, can be a tricky tricky situation to manage
0: yeah i always think it's almost the case of making 20-year-olds behave like
1: 30-year-olds yeah 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 not far off not far off but again like we're rugby rugby players are a fairly simple beast but actually emotionally very complex like we 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 kind of we want to be treated we want to be treated with respect and treated like adults but um but (laughs) (laughs) there's there's guys that they they can't cook an omelette and stuff like that it's like (laughs) it's is such, it's such, a hard, such a hard thing to get right. right? The, that sort of environment and that balance is so tough. Uh,
0: without sounding too much like an old man now, because I mean you are <laughs> only 29 after all, you must be seeing a difference in the players now, because although rugby paid well when you first started, you would still get lads from professions, or certainly going back to work once they, once they finished. Mm. Do you think with players starting younger and going through the academy system, that the actual attitudes and the profiles of the players are starting to change significantly?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt, it's it is becoming. It, it feels like it's becoming a younger man's game, which I guess for me it is every year. But um, people people are are coming through younger. They're they're coming out of school and out of college, physically so much more developed mm-hmm. than before. You know, I, when I came through the academy system, I, I hadn't I hadn't been in a gym and touched a weight, yeah. since until I started at Worcester till I was eight till I was eighteen years old. Um, and that's that's so different now. You know, the, all, all the Premiership clubs will have almost sort of out, outreach academy systems where the youngsters will be doing some form of S and C training, so that when they when they leave school and come into the academy, there's there's very little drop off or there's very little sort of coaching that they need to do to develop them physically, um, and they can focus more on the rugby. So there there has there has been a huge change, and and actually we're kind of Coming to a stage now where there's so much more about player welfare and about education than there ever was before. Mm. So not not only are we getting sort of these these athletes coming out of school aged 18, but they've, they've, there's a lot more of them that have their head screwed on to actually. Do you know what? This, this could be a this could be a great career. There is every chance, or or there is a chance. Sorry, that I can. I can have a 12-year career and earn great money, which they can do now. They can yeah. they can earn enough money to retire on if if they're at the top of their game, um, and and not need to worry too much about working. Um, but if something goes wrong, then you know these guys will have something to fall back on. So that's a, that's a really positive thing that I'm seeing from clubs these days is that they are investing in the future of their players for for when they do come to the end of their career.
0: Oh yeah, I mean I say it all the time. I'm sure my listeners are sick of me saying it. I think. Uh, the clubs do an excellent job with uh, players, and you know, making sure that everyone's, uh, look, you know, they're not looked after once they've gone. But you know, there's appropriate opportunities, and they do a damn sight more than most employers once they leave employment. And dovetailing that with the with the RPA, who I think do a, do a, a great job, it's a pretty good time to become a professional rugby player, actually.
1: It is actually, yeah, it is. It is. I, I'm, I must admit, there is a part of me that is envious of, of the 19-year-olds the that are just starting out now, and the direction the game's going, the sort of profile around the game. Um, obviously, that the, the financial rewards are, 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 are so much bigger, um, and I kind of I'd, I'd want to go back, but knowing everything I know now, you know, I'd want to. Yes. still I still want to have. Still want to have the confidence I've got now and the knowledge, and then just go back to a nineteen-year-old's body. That would be great. Oh, I, I,
0: I, I think you and and every other person in the UK, nay, the world, thinks that. If only I knew <laughs> what what I know now. <laughs>
1: yeah so it'll be a bit easier i'm
0: gonna make a, a bit of a prediction about player ages uh, i think you're absolutely right by the way they are coming through younger and they're coming through much more developed i think the sports science stuff just on the street generally is far increased yeah. but i actually think the age range is going to increase i think we're going to start seeing a lot older players providing that they want to play the money isn't enough to re- to retire full stop so you still want to play And i think mm. the development of, of sports science we're going to see a lot more players i think and this is just a hunch. I think they're going to have a, a lot more older tens, because uh, I mean, why would you not? Why, why do you need to be that young?
1: Yeah, you no, know, it's, it's very true. It's very true, and 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 because of the developments in sports science and in in sort of injury prevention and the amount of work that you do um, with physios and with S and C staff for exactly that to, to prevent injury and prolong careers. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm. I agree. You sort of you sort of see. You see a few guys, you know, I guess Peter Stringer would be a good example for oh, someone example. Who, Yeah who who was maybe maybe before that time but but um or before the sort of rise in S and C and injury prevention and everything, but just did all the right things anyway. And yeah. you look at the standard he he's still able to play at, although obviously he's injured now, but the standard he's he was still able to, to play at at his age, it, it is it is very much possible. So yeah, the the education side of it, in terms of as players understanding what you need to do to to stay fit and stay healthy. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right. You w- you will see you will see longer careers, subject to the game becoming more and more physical and and the the sort of higher percentage of career ending injuries that that are going to go with it. But I think for the lucky few that that, that are able to physically, yeah, I agree. Why not? Why wouldn't you have a thirty eight year old ten bossing around the youngsters and putting them all in the right position, you know.
0: Exactly, right. Um I mean I guess the only thing the only thing you could say is maybe you would get a bit of burnout or maybe you might get bored of the game. I think attitudes change around 30.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, potentially, potentially you would, but then do you know what if 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 you're a 38 10 at a top club earning good money, I think you'd probably still quite enjoy it, so. Yeah, why not? Eh? Well, you right. must you must Maybe have... France, maybe you could, maybe you could go over to France and 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 uh Play in the south of France for a bit. That that would be nice.
0: Um, have you ever been tempted by a move over to France?
1: Say again, sorry. Have,
0: have you ever been been tempted o- tempted by a move over to France or something something is something which is on your uh, bucket list? I
1: can't. I can't say it's, it's it's not actually been an option so far. So I've not I've not sort of had the decision to make. But um, I I can certainly see I can certainly see the the plus sides to it. Um, you know that uh, people talk about moving to france to experience uh you know a different style of rugby it, it probably wouldn't really be that for me it would certainly be lifestyle it would be being able to spend time with the family in in, in a nice part of the world with good weather mm. and, and the other plus side would be I'd, I'd get a chance to play rugby and and sort of make a group a, a different group of friends but um i can certainly see see the the attraction to it yeah i'd you know i'd I wouldn't rule it out for myself as long as as long as my my body's capable and I've achieved what I've want, wanted to achieve here in England. Then, um, yeah, why not? While, while the family's young, would certainly consider it.
0: Uh, you just said then achieve what you want to achieve over here in England. Mm. Um, give me an idea of what's still left on your list of things to do.
1: Well, you know I've I've committed my career to to Worcester. Yeah, um, and you know I, I still I still very much believe in in the the vision as to what we can be, um, and and this season has been heartbreaking in terms of it's it is it has been a, a step back, and we've we've kind of found ourselves in a relegation battle again for for you know for one reason or another. But I I still really believe that the future is bright at Worcester, and I think that we can we can set something up, we can create something that in in years to come, you know, we're we're sort of still laying the foundations as it were for for what for what will be a successful club and that's 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 what i've you know what i've set my sights on in my career um mm. in an ideal world things would be better than they are this season you know um when when dean first came in this season was the year that we were we were we were planning on kicking on up the table and and really driving recruitment hard and then going into next year kicking on again but unfortunately As I say, due to whatever it may be, various circumstances, that's not the case. So we need to, we need to first and foremost make sure we're playing Premiership rugby next year. But you know, I I still, I still feel that, and I still believe that things will be successful at Worcester.
0: Mm.
1: My job now is to, is to one, make sure we're playing Premiership rugby, and and secondly, sort of set things up so that in a few years from now, we will see the the success that Worcester deserves.
0: Yeah, it, it doesn't. It, it, it's a shame, really, because I think at the very start of the season, you had what two wins and a draw, sorry, two draws and a win two
1: draws and a win, yeah,
0: and you did it as well with um a lot of injuries, and I thought, hang on a minute there's something in this, um, yeah. and then as it 's gone on, it's just got harder and harder and harder, but I think it's more uh, again it 's something I say all the time, but I think it's more a testament to exactly how tough the Premiership is rather than anything which is done particularly badly
1: it's a brutal league, it is a brutal league and 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 like the, the small, the smallest thing, can have a huge impact on on the way a team performs. Mm. Um, you know, and, and there's been there's been all you know lo- lots of things off the field that that, ha- that have distracted. You know, D- Dean going and the uncertainty around that, and um, all the injuries and stuff. That it's it, it has it has been a difficult time. Um, yeah. I, and I completely agree. I was I was really I was really pleasantly. Surprised to a certain extent with with how well we started the year, yeah um, and not not a huge amount has changed in terms of we've obviously we, we've got we've got players back we've got um we've probably bolstered the squad that we had back then, but it it's you know it's hugely a confidence thing and it, and it is the positive thing it is so controllable by us you know mm. if if we if we were sort of thinking, well actually we're just not good enough then then that's a very different situation whereas you know we 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 know that there are so many areas of our game we can improve and we've got something you know we've got something every week that we're like right let's get better at this you know and and that's kind of all we can do now between between now and 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 when we when we meet bristol again which which is going to be a huge game yeah, we'll you know, yeah we'll. we we don't want to sort of sugarcoat anything or or say I know we won't pick it up. It is going to be huge. We, we need to make sure when when we meet them again at our place, we're we've got that confidence back, we've got that that strut in our step. Um, we've got a few guys coming back from injury who who will will certainly add add to our our ability and and the depth of talent we've got. Um, and yeah, just just be in a place where we are we're confident and we're comfortable with how we're playing the game. Mm-hmm. Like we were when there was very little expectation on us at the beginning of the year, really.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I don't necessarily think it's about having guys back from injury f- for you. I almost think it's just about having consistency, and particularly at, at key positions.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree, um, and it is—it's it is, one of those things that we've struggled with because of injuries. Um, so yeah, a, a bit of consistency certainly certainly would be good, and um, hopefully we can we can keep you know we can keep guys keep guys fit over the next few weeks, mm. um, get a, bit of, a bit, of, uh, bit of that confidence back in the LV and in, in Europe, and then really hit that next block of Premiership games exactly, as you say, with some consistency and with a bit of confidence behind us.
0: Now, something for Worcester fans to look forward to is um, a few more games out of um, Ben Tail. And how do you adjust your game to make the most out of his physical attributes, which, of course, give him a fairly unique skill set
1: yeah, well, he's he he's ultimately he's a he's a big he's a big strong hard running bloke, mm. um, with good skills. So th- that for me, when when he when he signed and 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 the way he's played this year and and sort of having played with him a few times this year, the the opportunity for him to get his hands free in contact is is huge. So if he's making half a break for me as a fullback, I'm sort of I'm expecting him to get his hands free and, and get that offload away. So, whereas whereas maybe maybe with other players, you know, you, when you see them carrying into contact, you, you start thinking about okay, what's going to happen next? What what's the next opportunity going to be? I, I'll pull a bit of width here. We'll set a breakdown, and then I can attack down there. Whereas when Ben takes into into contact, because of, because he's he's he is so big, there is every chance he'll get he'll get that offload away. So it just kind of gives you. Gives you a, a you know another opportunity, I guess, to get your hands on the ball in broken field, and um, and it's, it's it's a great great chance to to score ultimately.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. Now, um, I couldn't let you go without um, probing you on the the opposition that you play. You've probably played against every ten in the Premiership at the moment. When you're at fullback, do you consider the battle to be? Fullback versus fullback, or is it basically you versus the fly
1: half? Yes, that's really good. So, so when the ball's in the air, it's fullback v fullback. Mm. When you're going up and competing for it, that I, I love that challenge, and I love, I love, um, yeah, I love sort of targeting that when 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 you go into a week and you know who you, you're coming up against at fifteen, you you, you want that opportunity to go <coughs> to stick an up and under up and go and chase after it and get it back yeah. off. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly, certainly, I, I, I have I have huge battles with tens and and the challenge of not letting them find the grass when they kick kick the ball. Yeah, and that that's sort of as a, as a backfield in general. When you run your backfield as a fullback, you you're controlling your wingers and your, and your fly halves in your in your team to to make sure that the ball doesn't bounce. And that yeah, that, that's the ultimate goal. And if you can go through a game where where you haven't let the ball hit the floor, then then you've won, basically.
0: So two questions from Art then. Who are the fullbacks who you most look forward to playing against? And then secondly, with these 10s that you're playing, what do you look for? What little gives, what little tells do they uh, let you know about or do you read from them which allows you to play effectively against them?
1: Yeah, uh, first first one... um, I, I love I love playing against Mike Brown. I
0: thought yeah. you'd say that, you know.
1: Yeah, I, do you know, what? he's he's I, I get on really well with him. He's 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 a top top bloke, but he is, you know, he's he's England's number one fullback, and and that that for me is the that's the biggest challenge. He's been for a few years, so if I can if I can test myself against him, and see how see how I fare, you know, I I I, I like that challenge. I yeah. really enjoy that challenge. Um, and as for as for tens, yeah, you, you, you know, you do I do a lot of work in the week where you look at video footage, look at how teams kick you the ball back, and there are, without a doubt, there are trends. There's trends in the patterns. There's trends in the way the teams move to set up situations to kick that that you recognise out on the field, so you can sort of preempt. Um, and yeah, you, you you can you can tell. You know, you you watch the eyes of the ten, you see where they're looking. If a ten's going to pass the ball. You know, he he is—he's looking out to his side. He's looking at where his attackers are, how they're lining up, what sort of shape he's got out there. If he's looking to kick, he's looking forward and he's looking for space. Mm-hmm. And you can tell sometimes they'll take that extra step back to give themselves that like bit more time to get the kick away. And then you kind of you know it's coming. So then it's like, right, where's it going to go? Where can I cover? Um, and then yeah, when it's in the air, doing everything you can to make sure it doesn't bounce.
0: Do you ever do um? Do you ever do anything a little sneaky, like maybe leave a bit of the, the field, a bit more of the field exposed than you should, to try and get him to kick into that into that area?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's sometimes um, sometimes harder 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 than it sounds, but because it, it tends not to be sort of one person as it were. You need other people working with you at the same time mm. to create that. But yeah, our, our, our philosophy certainly in the past, and and we do still still try and do it now is, is paint them one picture or show them one picture and then, and then give them another exactly, exactly for that reason because if you're if as a 10 you're looking up and you see, you see space on the open field mm. um, you then look back at the scrum where the ball is you're just concentrating on that get the ball in your hands suddenly that space is gone it, it can, it can oh, put a bit of in their minds
0: So will you come quite shallow and then all of a sudden just rush back
1: yeah, so so it could it could be say an open winger, for example. If, yeah. If if it's say a scrum deep in the opposition half and the open winger, you could start them up. You could start them up really high, and the fullback you could start behind the scrum. So so let's say there's loads of space on the open field. Yeah. And you you can just you can just mess around with them a bit. You can move him back a bit. You can push him forward. You can, you know, just change that picture so they don't actually know. Right. Well, when it comes to it, where is he going to be? Is he going to be flat or is he going to be back? You just Just keep moving it. And as a fullback, you can just move side to side a little bit. And, you know, as long as you know where you want to be and you're on the same page as a team, then you just try and make it as difficult as you can.
0: Ah, okay. Uh, So with you and your back three, do you have any kind of pre-called or pre-arranged places that you should be? So if you give a command, you'll all be at a certain place. Or are you directing them in kind of real time?
1: Yeah, it's... There's obviously there's certain situations that you will practice and there's there's setups that you will have. So off, off scrums and off lineouts. Generally, it is it's fairly scripted. You you know where you should be, but then you you definitely have to react to things on the day. Definitely because teams will sometimes change how they kick. Um, it might be that you know if you, if you look at a team like Wasps for for example. They've got they've got kickers across their back line. Yeah, so they so they could easily throw a mispass out to Elliot Daly, who hammers it down the touchline with his big left boot, and and stuff like that. You can't really set for that's quite an organic thing. That
0: must be so a nightmare, actually.
1: Yeah, it, it 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 is tough, and particularly when you've got left and right footed kickers, that is a nightmare because, you know, a, a team like Exeter, for example, with Steenson at ten, mm. he he controls their game. He's he's a right footed kicker. And he controls where they go. Generally, he controls where they go. So as a fullback, you can kind of follow him and not worry too much about the other guys. Whereas a team like Wasps, where they might split the field with Daly on one side and Gopeth on the other, or, <laughs> and yeah, Cipriani. or whoever it may be, like they, they, they could kick either way. And, and you can't cover everything. So there is going to be space. So it's just... You know, it's it's trying to trying to make as as best a guess, as educated a guess as you can really, and, and read the game as it goes.
0: I've never really thought of it like that. So I guess the upshot of it all is uh, you need a backline that can do that can do everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Multi-skilled players are are without a doubt the the sort of hardest hardest to hardest to come by. You know, the, the, but but the hardest to play against. So. Mm-hmm in the 13 channel at the minute for England obviously um obviously JJ Jonathan Joseph is a phenomenal talent ball in hand but he's got a really really astute kicking game yeah and and then you look at so so Elliot as i mentioned who's like the the one of the fastest white guys i've ever come across <laughs> but, yeah but but he can hoof a ball seventy meters, and like that is a nightmare. It's a nightmare to play against.
0: Yeah, you you do often wonder when watching Elliot Daly what can't he do? I mean, there must be something.
1: Yeah, um, he's, he's,
0: trying to think. he's probably a terrible cook.
1: Do you know what's really annoying as well? He's like he's he's one of the nicest guys I've ever, I've ever met as well. Uh, so, I he, can, but yeah, I reckon, I reckon cook. Yeah, he probably is a terrible cook.
0: Yeah, I I can actually vouch for that because he was one of the England players that took 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 us on. Um, on a Twickenham tour, absolutely oh, really? lovely bloke.
1: Yeah, yeah, really nice guy. Really nice guy. Uh,
0: so, just from your side, then, who have your wing partners been, which are most reliable in coverage?
1: Um, oh, do you know what? There's there's been some been some really smart players that that just read the game so well. Um, I pro- I'd probably I'd probably go back to my my Miles Benjamin, Marcel Garvey days. Like they were. They oh, okay. were awesome. I love I love I those days, and and yeah, those two, those two were, were great fun to have in the backfield. But I'd actually say that the the best the best person I've played with for it was Christian Wade when when I, I was lucky enough to play with him for the Saxons a couple of years back. Is that and right? He he was unbelievably good at reading the game, and and as a fullback, you know, you kind of you look over your shoulder to make sure. Your blindside wings doing their job, and like, and and I didn't have to do it with him because one I could hear him, I could hear him the whole time communicating to me, telling me, push up pens, push up whatever it may be. Like, he was there in my ear the whole game. But and even even the times when, you know, I'm I'm i maybe making a gamble or making a read on the edge, he he would he would be there covering my back. He was unbelievable. I remember coming away from that game thinking, wow, like he 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 he's very he's a very very smart player. He can read the game so well. That's astonishing,
0: because I think the knock on Christian Wade, and you know, it's, it's a little bit like uh, Cristiano Ronaldo sin, syndrome, which is when you're so good at one thing, everyone assumes that you're bad at everything else. Um, <laughs> so the knock on him is, yeah, he's great with ball in hand, but positionally, mm. he he isn't that great. What you're telling me is that's absolute nonsense.
1: Well, cer- certainly, certainly, in terms of covering backfield, in terms of positional play for for a kicking game, I thought I thought he was fantastic. I think. The obvious things with with Wady are are that he he is he is smaller than yeah. most yeah. other players, so you know you, you you do get put under pressure particularly under the high ball as a winger and if you're if you're up against someone who's six foot four obviously you, you're not going to win that contest yeah well uh, things and, like- and, and i think i think as as an international player there are there are certain aspects of your game that just have to be a given, and as an international winger you need to be able to get up and win high balls. I, he absolutely can, absolutely can. But mm. I, guess, I guess they kind of feel that like at the top level in the test, test matches where um, something like that, something, something as simple as taking high balls, the difference between winning and losing. Mm. They're not prepared to take that gamble. I, I personally would. I think he's phenomenal. But. That's
0: really, really interesting. Yeah, mm. well, I think the, I mean, the future's pretty bright for Christian Wade anyway. I mean, I think that's, I think that's <laughs> fair to say. He'll be fine, he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, it's, it feels like World Rugby are uh, conspiring to make Christian Wade basically the world's best player. No one's allowed to go high on him anymore, so that will <laughs> so be that. And you're not allowed to take out people in the air, so not many people are, are contesting high, high balls anyway. So, uh, yeah.
1: great time to be Christian Wade. Absolutely, yeah. Buy shares in, in Christian Wade, Correct. you'll do well.
0: Now, before I let you go, a question I should have asked you right, right at the start of the show, actually. Um, we couldn't do this interview in, in December because you had uni deadlines.
1: Yeah. What is it you're studying, and did you get your deadlines done? He, well, yes, I did. I'm I'm studying um, sports business management. Um, so just, just starting year two, semester B, next week. Mm. uh and yes i did i i I managed to get my work done which was good um which is a challenge when you've got when you've got uh kids as well kids and rugby and uni but i'm i'm somehow somehow managing to stay on top of things at the minute which is probably testament to my wife to be fair but um but yeah i'm luckily touch wood managing to keep on top
0: superb well what a great podcast we've had childcare rugby and sports business management so uh, we're covering all topics all, yeah. to- <laughs> all topics chris thank you so much for coming on i've really enjoyed it can we find you on twitter somewhere uh
1: you can although i'm not i'm not particularly active but you can yeah i'm i'm at chris underscore panel
0: fantastic all right mate well thank you so much for that really
1: really appreciate it pleasure thanks for having me
0: Huge thanks to Chris for doing the interview today. The major problem with these interviews is as soon as you get to know a player a little bit better and how their team operates, it becomes very hard not to root for them. So it looks like we'll be looking forward to Worcester staying up this year. Well, fingers crossed at least. Uh, next week will be Jamie Gibson. That's already rec- already recorded. And I will get you the Canterbury special, which I'm going to do It is recorded, it's already there, I just need to edit it and I've not quite done that yet. That should be out maybe later this week, if not definitely next week. It is coming and it's very, very interesting. In the meantime, please leave me a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, at jbeardmore, at Rugby Dungeon, and don't forget to download Egg Chasers and the Thistle Rugby Podcast. Get onto that immediately. Right, until next time when I'll be with you, joined by Jamie Gibson. I shall see you then. Bye-bye. upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order that's quince.com upgrade when you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year 100,000 mile limited warranty you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible visit your local kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner kia movement that inspires Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000 mile powertrain and five-year, 60,000 mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.
1: ACAST powers the
0: world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.